Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright bullies from pulling the wall on us. Fighting and taking on all the plate to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. I know that it has been a little while since we've uh, released an episode of the podcast, but that is in part due to a bunch of other projects that were keeping me super busy, including one that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, We should be getting closer to getting back to a regular schedule of podcasts. I have a whole bunch scheduled. I just need to record them. So I apologize that uh, we've gone somewhat missing in the meantime, but that should be changing starting with this podcast. Now, obviously, this podcast uh, talks a fair bit about questions around content moderation and trust and safety challenges. And one thing that we keep trying to get across is that content moderation frequently looks easy from the outside, but if you've actually tried moderating any decently sized community, you'd quickly learn that it is just a series of impossible choices, many of which involve highly subjective judgment calls in which someone or many someones will always disagree with what you decide. So uh, when Kate Tamarello from Engine uh, reached out to us to see if we'd want to design a content moderation mobile game, uh, we jumped at the chance. You may remember that last year we created Startup Trail with Engine, which was a browser-based startup policy game to explore the policy challenges of running a modern startup. Uh, And then over the last few months, we've been feverishly working on building out this new game called Moderator Mayhem, which is a browser-based mobile game that puts you in the role of a frontline content moderation employee who has to make dozens of decisions on how to moderate a fictional review site, which was named Trust Hive, uh, with a clock ticking down and lots of pressure from all sides. Your manager might disagree with your decisions. Users on the platform may appeal your decisions and sometimes yell at you in the process. And the public impression of the site may suffer based on some of your decisions as well. It's a game where it is very easy to get fired. uh, But if you're careful about it, you might just win, where winning is defined as getting promoted and having to deal with even more content moderation questions. If you haven't yet played it, uh, please point your mobile browser to moderatormayhem.engine.is. And on today's podcast, we have Kate from Engine to talk about the game, as well as the team who worked with me to design and build the game, which is my colleague Lee Beeden from TechDirt and the Copy Institute, as well as Randy Lubin from Leverage Play, who we work with on all of our various game projects. So, Kate, let's start with you. Uh, What got you thinking about wanting this kind of game? Yeah, well, um, one, thank you for having me. Uh, And, you know, obviously we had such a great experience working with you guys last year on Startup Trail, and we got such good feedback from that. Um, There was a very small content moderation aspect to that game, and this seemed like something that made sense to build out. Um, Here in D.C., we talk about Section 230 and even the DMCA a lot, and content moderation is kind of 
always on everyone's mind. And to your point, uh, policymakers especially love to act like it's easy. And <laughs> if companies just cared enough and nerded hard enough, uh, they could only host good content and immediately remove <laughs> all the bad content. Um, and those conversations are quite frustrating to watch. Um, whenever I'm on like a panel about something like 2.30, I always get asked like, what, what do you think policymakers should do? Um, and I very tongue in cheek usually respond, uh, try moderating content um, <laughs> for a day or an hour. And right. I don't have control over who Meta hires to moderate content. <laughs> so I can't make that happen. But this felt like a, a good stand in um, and hopefully starts to scratch the surface of some of the issues that we talk about. And, and I know you guys, especially at TechDirt, deal with every day um, in ways that make it a little more tangible for policymakers and their staff to think about content moderation. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that was, you know, that was certainly our thinking as well. And certainly, you know, just this idea of like, can you put someone in, in that seat um, and then do so in, in, a, in a fun way? And I know that, you know, and, and we can talk about a little bit of the development of the game in a bit. But like, you know, one of the things that you told us from from very early on was that you had this vision, I guess, of like the swipe left, swipe right nature of like, you know, could, could you have that, that sort of interface for like, keep up, take down, which was, you know, something that, that we weren't sure if we were going to be able to do, but we, we, we got there and, and, uh, you know, I think, I think it's been a really, you know, it's, it's tough to say, you know, create a game that is somebody's job, right? <laughs> like to some extent that always feels like who's, who's going to want to do that. Um, but I, I think that that you know this was this was pretty successful in terms of you know making a, a very serious topic and one where you know we want people to understand it into something that at least somewhat feels fun to play. I've heard some people complain that it raised their blood pressure <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, so I know that that you've um, you've now you've had uh, at least one event in DC and, and gotten people to play it and sort of what what have you heard in, in sort of response to, to the game so far? Yeah, definitely from the startups that we work with who deal with user generated content, um, a lot of the blood pressure type comments <laughs> uh, like, oh, this is very realistic. Um, from the kind of policy side of the world, I think we've heard a lot of appreciation from the folks like us who do think about 230 and, and content moderation. Um, about how helpful it is to have this. And I think, you know, we've done um, in-person events in the past and even virtual events during the pandemic where we do small snippets of content moderation hypotheticals, which I think is an idea we stole from you and Eric Goldman. Um, so <laughs> thank you. Um, and no problem. we always get such divided answers. Um, we'll usually do like two or three during a panel and, um, you know, it'll be like split 50-50 or 60-40. Um, and I think, that realization of, oh yeah, there are content moderation decisions that aren't clear cut is really helpful. Um, and when we did the event uh, where we had some startup founders speak about content moderation and then um, did some of the hypos from the game, um, staff were asking questions like, well, what about this kind of hypo? Like, what would you say about this? And I think that's a really productive line of thinking. So for instance, it came up because um, it was in mid-May that we did the event. Um, and someone in the room asked about like the Silicon Valley bank uh, failure mm. and how social media fueled that. Um, and it was a really interesting conversation that we had yeah. kind of in the room about, you know, how does social media change things like bank runs, which have existed for a very long time and certainly aren't, uh, you know, unique to, to the year 2023. Um, and it's, there isn't an easy answer. I, I don't know the right answer. I didn't, don't ever pretend to. Um, but I think those are the kinds of questions 
that we should be thinking about, not this really black and white assumption that so many people start with that this is just uh, you know, a problem of companies not willing to work hard enough at this. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, and that was certainly one of our goals in sort of developing the game and the content was to to get across that like there are all of these different pressures going on and and it would be hard enough if there were like true answers like the you know yes the 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 right answer is this and the wrong answer is that and then you you add in the fact that like usually there's not usually a lot of these are really subjective and the idea that you know there's there's a a correct way of moderating content i think you know, goes away once you've actually had to spend some time, some time thinking about it. Yeah. And I think that was one of the most interesting reactions I saw not in person or or in DC, but on um, like write-ups and and the Mm -hmm. comment sections um, where the game got mentioned, where we were kind of accused of like, oh, well, this is just your worldview. This is just (laughs) you guys pushing how you think content moderation should work. And it's like, did you win? Like, do, <laughs> do you think that there's a path to winning here where if you take down the right content, we say you did a good job? Because it's specifically designed to not really ever have that. There's always consequences, even when you think you're making the right decision. So how could we be imposing what we think as a group is the right decision when, like, you know, we have we have consequences uh, in many situations, no matter what you choose. So I thought that was a really interesting kind of like initial skepticism that hopefully people played their way through and, and realized we're wrong about. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I thought it, it also becomes a useful tool for people who think that there's like either that there's an easy way to do content moderation. Like if you have a theory about the best way to do it, which, you know, some people have the theory of like, just leave everything up, like, all right, try it, see what happens. Or if you have a theory of like how to write a policy that will, you know, create, uh, you know, a, a better situation, like, okay, like, Think of how you would play this game if that policy were in place and you had to comply with this or that rule. Um, I did. I, I will note that uh, some somebody I know in, in the in the policy space uh, who I ran into at an, at an event recently uh, said, "Oh, you should you should make a, a different version of the game, which is uh, DSA compliant uh, for the EU, in which at the end of the game you have to go back and explain every every single decision that you made uh, <laughs> for for." For people who are listening to this podcast, if you did not listen to our podcast on the DSA and the many, many problems uh, that companies will have to face of all sizes uh, with the DSA, maybe it's worth going back and listening to that or just thinking that you would have to play this game and explain every single decision. All right. So I, I want to bring in uh, Randy and Lee a little bit as well. Um, so we all worked on on building this game, so I wanted to talk to you guys, um, and I guess we'll start with Randy um, about sort of the thinking that we had in terms of like once Kate sort of gave us this, you know, mission <laughs> to, to to build to build a game like this. What what was sort of our thinking in terms of actually putting the game together? Uh, well, it's such a fun design space because you we want it to be hard, we want it to reflect reality, but we don't want it to be so demoralizing that people don't don't play or don't engage with the content or you know think it's unfair for reasons that aren't due to the intrinsic difficulty of content moderation. So we had a lot of good exploratory chats of like, okay, how do we how do we want to calibrate the game? I mean, even early on, we were like, is it actually real time or is it turn based where there's a clock that's counting down based on how closely you're looking at issues? Uh, ultimately, we went with with real time, and uh, we've heard so much good feedback from people about how 
how stressed out that bar going down, the time <laughs> bar going down makes them feel. Um, and then, you know, just for, trying to figure out game state in ways that it maps to reality in, in helpful ways. So in this game in particular, we had it so that, you know, we're tracking not just how fast are you uh, answering the prompts. And so, you know, so how many prompts do you get, per round, uh, get through per round, but also how many of them do you answer in a way that aligns with the company's policies uh, in, in a way that your manager, we have a fictional manager in the game, in the way that their manager would answer it. So we, again, coming in with this idea that like there's often not a correct answer, but it's a little easier to say, hey, based on our explicit policies, maybe it, it aligns this way or that way. Then again, not every uh, content moderation dilemma that we had in the game even has an answer that the manager would say, oh yeah, it's obviously keep up or take down. Um, so we had a, a, a really fun time sort of picking diving in and, and trying to figure out, okay, how do we how do we actually accurately try and map how how it's difficult in a way that feels real? And so beyond just that, you know, the, how fast you're going and how well your policy decisions align with the company policies, you know, we're also tracking how angry is the public because you're either taking things down that they're angry about being taken down or are you leaving up things that make them feel unsafe? And so we're tracking that too and, and making sure that that gets fed back in and you can lose... For any any of those four categories, the speed or the policy alignment or the the safety or the free speech, either you know, if any of them get too too much in the negative extreme, then you're going to be fired. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one one of the challenges that that and we spent a lot of time talking through this and and thinking through it was like, it's it's really natural and and just you know, uh, in the in the real world and in sort of designing the game to have content moderation questions have like a right answer and a wrong answer. And we really struggled for, for a while. I mean, we had a number of these conversations and I think we went back and forth on it with this idea of like, well, like, you know, even like when we started, when we were first like putting together the content, we even had like in the, um, you know, we were tracking the information in a spreadsheet and we had like correct answer. And I was like, no, we have to get rid of that. Like there, we can't even be thinking about a correct answer versus an incorrect answer. Um, and I think we, you know, we finally got to that point where there are some where it's like, here's what the manager thinks is the correct answer. <laughs> uh, and, and the manager is not always right, frankly. <laughs> like there are times where I think the manager is probably wrong, but like that's also reality. Like you know, nobody's going to agree with with somebody else all the time, and so we had to sort of balance that out. Where there's things where it's like you're trying to enforce the specific policies of the company, and the manager is also trying to enforce those policies, and even within there, there may be disagreement over what is the correct enforcement of a particular policy. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that was sort of a big breakthrough for us once we sort of set it up where it's like, this is this is what the manager thinks you should do. Here's what the public thinks you should do. And then, you know, you have to decide on your own. Uh, and then it, it sort of, you know, keeps track of all of that information, which which I think was was, uh, you know, a, a worked out really, really well in terms of simulating this information. Yeah, oh, it was it was. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, it was it was like difficult because like you were saying, just to expand on that a bit, like, yeah, it feels so natural in a game and just in the process of designing a, like a mechanically functional game that you need some sort of success, some sort of clear success right. metric. And it's very hard to break out of that. I remember like one of the conversations we had a game we talk about a lot in various games was like, you know, the well-known game Papers, Please, which is similarly like pressure on a person doing like the meticulous job. And sort of one of the ways that game has to out of necessity break its own reality 
reality is by having kind of like an omniscient thing that's checking if you did everything right. Like even though it's supposed to be, you can easily miss these details, you immediately find out, oh, you missed something. Oh, you did it wrong. And it's like, well, maybe the guy who's checking that should just be doing my job. (laughs) Um, But and it, it took, yeah, like you said, it took us a long time to figure out how to break out of that that model for this and you know it's still it's it always felt like oh maybe there's even more we could do maybe we can have (laughs) five different facets of public opinion right maybe we can break out the public into five different factions and track each of their different opinions (laughs) of your you know but at a certain point it's like yeah you can't model all of the reality of how complicated the user bases of these platforms are yeah, and and I, you know, I think you know before we released the game, and we we had some some people testing it, and one of the the pieces of feedback we got from a bunch of people at the beginning, like the first time they played, is like, I want to know, like, was I right or wrong? Like, tell me for each answer, was I right or wrong? And so you know, we we you know we did go back and sort of like try and emphasize, especially through the tutorial and at the beginning of the game, like there is no right or wrong answer. There is no correct answer. Some of these are judgment calls. Sometimes you will disagree. Sometimes, you know, you'll disagree with the policy. Sometimes you'll disagree with your manager. Sometimes you'll disagree with the public, whatever. We wanted to get that across. And I think when the game was released, we actually didn't hear that complaint very much from from people who actually played the game. It was only in like pre-testing before we released it. It was very surprising because we heard it a lot in the testing. And we did add a little bit more feedback. We added yeah. the sort of manager occasionally randomly popping in <laughs> immediately to agree with that, or disagree. That's not the decision, decision I would have made. Yeah. <laughs> right. But o- overall, we didn't provide that much more feedback. And I think we were all surprised that, yeah, from something we heard you know, from nine out of 10 testers <laughs> suddenly it was not a single comment that we got from anyone playing it once it released. So it, it was very surprising. I still don't quite know why that was, but I'm, I'm glad it worked out that no, way. We, after we got that, that feedback, we really, we worked in, as Mike said, into the tutorial. And then we created this new sort of st- content that was only shown in the first two rounds that had a much higher likelihood of the manager jumping in immediately afterwards saying, oh, I agree with you for this reason, or I disagree with you for that reason. And, um, and that was another interesting, like, we wanted to make sure that the game didn't just, we wanted to make, there's, there's always a tension between making people, giving people a tight feedback loop about how is what they're doing affecting game state, balanced with what we've just been talking about, there being, you know, no right answers sometimes, or you, you never hear if there's a right answer or not. Or not right answer. You never hear about the consequences of the answer. Um, and then you know that was also questions that we had and grappled with around broader narrative design because we we didn't want players to just be you know once they're in the game just playing 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 and it's, it's all sort of the same type of thing even if each case is different. So we ended up well we ended up creating a ton of different content. We had somewhere between four hundred to five hundred different. Uh, issues and cases, uh, many of which were what we co- sort of called the generic bucket, which you know you can see at any time during the game in any order, and you know sort of will make sense when you see it. And then we created a bunch that were organized into thematic arcs. So we had uh, a World Cup arc or an election arc, uh, and depending on your playthrough, you're probably only going to see a few of these. But that we, we felt that also gave it a little bit more narrative heft and gave every round a little bit of different flavor. Um, all, all very much us thinking from like a narrative design standpoint, what what makes this engaging and fun and and more playful and game like. Um, and then we also we added in the uh, two. AI rounds. We had a uh, about halfway through the game a beta AI that that gets rolled out and is a complete disaster because it's just like over overzealously marking everything as uh, as um, 
violating the content policies because you know it because it has something to spell but you know is actually a different word or you know, things of that nature and then eventually the ai comes back a little later and is somewhat better but yeah still still not perfect <laughs> still not perfect yeah um I, I did want to talk a little bit. I mentioned earlier the the design aspect of it and the and the the swiping. Um, since Lee, you spent a lot of time sort of working on that to make that work. Did, did you want to talk a little bit about our thinking on on the uh, the UI and interface and design of it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it was an interesting challenge. I think I think I'm the exception to what you said at the start about us not being sure if we could do it because I <laughs> right away when I pictured the idea, I was pretty sure we could do it. And more importantly, I knew we had to like the mo- <laughs> yeah, that that experience was so easy to picture. It Kate was so like immediately crystal clear, I think, in my mind of this person swiping through a stack of cards, uh, cringing as they get bigger because new <laughs> cards are dealt in, you know, that I, I knew we had to find a way to pull that off. And it was, you know, it was a fun and interesting challenge to do it in a browser, a pure browser game. Like it's all just, you know, CSS and JavaScript powered. Uh, I spent a lot of time like opening up uh, the game Reigns that has a similar mechanic and also just Tinder, the prototypical swipe left, swipe right. And like just dragging the cards around to understand better how they feel and how they look when you move <laughs> them and all of that. Uh, so, so a whole lot of that stuff was, you know, kind of the behind the scenes stuff that made it work. And then, you know, we had to figure out, I think the other big challenge of this was that, uh, and it's something that's come up, you know, came up with startup trail too, is, I mean, this is a very text-based game, you know, all of the really important information to the player is uh, being conveyed in text. So it had to start from this position of like, I think the one element of the design that never really changed over the entire course of visually designing the interface and everything was just how the face of the cards looked. Cause that was like the first thing I wanted to do was make that really simple and clear. I knew I wanted like a white background, largest text as possible, tiny labels that break it up visually. Cause I knew those would kind of just fade into the background for the player once they were familiar with the structure of the cards. And then, you know, we, uh, we went from there. We went, you know, as far as the design, we went through a few color palettes. Uh, you know, we ended up bringing in, um, I, I don't know how many players noticed this. Or I don't even know if you noticed it, Kate, or anyone at Engine did. But uh, the uh, your manager and the three figures who appear in the public for your public feedback, those are the uh, four founders from Startup Trail. Which <laughs> they was, look familiar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it was a, it was a interesting interface challenge in large part, just due to us, you know, wanting it to be a browser based game. It would have been an entirely different thing if it was like an app store native game, but we also wanted, you know, we keep referring to it as a mobile game for anyone out there who hasn't looked at it totally playable on your desktop too. Um, you can, you know, open it in any browser and play it. And I do think we pushed, uh, pushed CSS and a bit to the limit of like what it could do while retaining performance decently in, you know, mobile browsers and stuff, but uh, we made it work. And I, I think it was worth it. Cause yeah, as soon as I think, you know, the idea of, well, like I said, there's that game reigns that uses the swipe left swipe, right. But as soon as you set it, Kate, for the content moderation, it was like, yeah, that's, that's what the game has to be. Many other details <laughs> to figure out, but that moment where the player is swiping left and right frantically through a stack has to exist in this game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, and and then another decision that we made, and we made this pretty early on as we were thinking about it, was um, well, there, these are I'll put there are a couple of different decisions that we sort of put together, and I, I would almost lump them into the same bucket, which is that you know, well, one, we're we're not showing you specific content; we're describing the content, and there are a variety of reasons for that. One being like. 
if we were showing you the content, there's a lot of problematic content <laughs> and that would create all sorts of other problems as well. And so a description of the content was the 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 only solution that, that really made sense for that. And then the second element of it is that we have a, a look more button. So we give you a sort of very basic description of the content and then you have the ability to click on the, there's an eyeball and, and hold it down and it takes time and then it will give you possibly some more context and information. Um, and um, a couple of people pushed back on that because they said like, well, you know, in reality you would see the actual content. Um, but like, well, one, like we couldn't do that. <laughs> and two, we're, we're basically trying to simulate the fact that a lot of times you will see the actual content, but you won't see all of the context. And you may need to do some additional research and try and figure out the context and try and figure out like, you know, is is this term used in a way that is, uh, you know, abusive or, or or is it, you know, is it harassment or is there context about language or, you know, or, or whatever it might be. And so rather than saying like, oh, you know, we're expecting you to like go search on Google or Urban Dictionary in terms of like, what, what, what does this really mean in certain contexts? You know, we, we simulated it with the, with the look more button and having to hold it down and potentially getting some more information. And I think, you know, without that being like the way that things are actually done, it still acted as a really good tool that, that simulates the kind of feeling, you know, I don't have all of the information to get all of the information. It will take me time. I don't have time, but sometimes I will, I will still try and do some of the research and it may be useful and it may not be. Um, and I think that was effective though. That was some of the pushback that we got, we got afterwards was people saying like, well, that's not realistic. Um, even though I think the feeling of it was, was realistic. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. It was important. You know, that that's that component of what we're saying about it being difficult and there being no right answers. It's also that it's that, you know, there are time pressures and quantity pressures. And sometimes even if there is maybe something closer to a quote unquote right answer, it might not be readily apparent, it might even appear to be the exact opposite before you take a, you know, yeah. 30 seconds to look closer at, at what's going on. Yeah, I, I did have I did hear a couple people complain that like, you know, some of the, the context, like if you did the look more and you got the context, then it was what you just said, like the exact opposite. Um, and, and some people didn't like that, but that, that happens. Yeah. I think part of the, like the fictional conceit of it being a game is that there's a much higher percentage of the edge cases, the ones where it's multiple things are intention, uh, where you're, where very different information is revealed on the closer than, than it would be in reality. In reality, my sense is that a lot of moderators see things that are pretty clearly against policy. And it's more of like, um, you know, I, I hear about how like um, uh, at airports, the TSA inserts like fake images of guns just to keep the scanners on their toes. And it's like, it, and so, I mean, I don't think anybody's doing that on the content moderation side. It might not make sense. But in the game, at least, we really wanted to expose people to a lot of content that was hard for different reasons. So I think most players got that and were like, okay, yeah, this maybe isn't the right ratio of the really hard ones to the more easy ones, but it's still illuminative. But I will never get over the number of people on the internet who are like, but you can't see the content. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> did you think we were going to be distributing 
porn (laughs) as part of our nonprofit technology (laughs) policy advocacy work? Like, no, we're not creating and distributing porn. You'll have to just read about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's people are not thinking through it for just five more seconds and then they would realize why you can't see the content. Because, I mean, that's, yeah, like we had reached that decision even with Startup Trail, right? We knew we would have some content moderation decisions in there and we, you know, we realized early on you just can't. You know, the, if you're going to try to show the content, you're either going to end up, yeah, distributing stuff you just can't distribute, or you're going to end up giving a flawed picture of how bad the content actually gets because you're going to have to boulderize it to make it suitable to go in a game. And then you're leaving out just how horrible some of the things moderators have to deal with truly are. Yeah. But people, people complained. Uh, not many people, <laughs> but just like I saw that complaint and it was, it's mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely saw, saw a bit of that as well. Um, the other thing that I was wondering, the one, the one thing that, that I was debating was if we should have made the game even harder and so more likely for people to get fired. Um, I, I think, you know, the sense was a lot of people got fired. I certainly saw a lot of people saying they got fired. I said a lot of people saying they got fired in the first round, um, which is, you know, that's actually a little difficult to do. You got to be pretty bad. <laughs> uh, but it is easier to get fired in, in later rounds. And, and it's definitely difficult to make it through. But I saw, in my mind, a few too many people successfully get get to the point where they got promoted. Um, and so like my one bit of feedback is we, we should have, we should have, uh, cranked up the, <laughs> the likelihood of getting fired, but, uh, it's such you know. a tricky balance because we, yeah. we want people to really engage and see the content. And if they get really demoralized because they get fired too quickly or too often, then they might bounce. I mean, this is something that we wrestled with from the, from the very beginning of the development process was like, just how hard is hard. I feel like we, we came up with the heuristic is that we kind of want most people to lose the game in their first play and then win on their second or third. Um, and again, win is, a, you know, for some definition of winning, <laughs> survive, <laughs> survive. Yeah. yeah. And thankfully it did seem a lot of people did get that message, even though early on we had had some more elaborate plans for how to really convey how not feeling like a victory, this victory is that you're just going to be, um, and we didn't end up, you know, having the time and resource to implement some of those, but thankfully it seems like a lot of people still kind of got that message. I know there was that one right up in PC world or wherever, where I even explicitly said like, and my prize for winning is doing more of this forever. Apparently. Like, <laughs> yeah. <you> know, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was definitely, definitely the message we were trying to, to, to get across because there, there, there is no winning <laughs> the content moderation game. Uh, and I think that was really important to, to get across for, for people to, to understand that. Um, and then I, I, I don't know what else, what else is there to discuss? I feel like, uh, these were the things that I, I wanted to discuss. Is there anything that we were missing, Kate? I feel like one of the really important thoughts I had going into it was making sure that no one would play the game and see themselves in the content. Uh, um, like we didn't use political parties. We didn't use right. candidates. Um, and we, we're very careful to do that when we, whenever we do hypo type activities at engine, um, cause we are aiming for a congressional audience usually. And if we dragged one party or even a candidate from one party through the mud as an example, which is like very easy to do, um, on both sides of the aisle, right? Like that's, yeah. uh, that's a bipartisan misunderstanding, uh, <laughs> expression and content moderation is, is a bipartisan pastime, unfortunately. Um, but if we did that, it'd be very easy. I, I think I was worried it'd be very easy for people to be like, oh, never mind. These people right. just like don't like me or my political party or, or whatever. 
Um, so that was something we were super conscious of, or at least I was super conscious of in reading the content. I know we talked about a bunch, um, which I think is, is good. And I hopefully, hopefully people don't feel attacked <laughs> by the content. Um, because it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of blank slate. Yeah. Yeah. I think that also connects to another thing that was really important with sort of the content broadly is that part of what we've always wanted to convey in content moderation related things and in this game is just how much of it is sort of mundane, small scale, little things that aren't the, aren't the big, you know, most people in the public, they talk about content moderation when there's these big blowups over a particular type of very important content or a specific incident or something that's already national news for its own reasons. And, you know, we needed the content to convey. You no, know, sometimes it's like two local restaurants sparring over a bad <laughs> review or someone who who said, I love to beat my kids, but he's talking about table tennis or, you know, just like <laughs> oh, that, that so much of it is just that it's not all the big things that are implicating Congress and, and activists and whatever else. It's just day to day stuff where and even those can be difficult decisions where it's not always yeah. clear or easy to ascertain what the correct answer is if there is one. Yeah, I feel like we had, we got really nice feedback from a handful of folks who do moderation not for a big company or platform, but for a small community they manage, whether it's a forum or Discord or a subreddit. And they're like, yeah, I mean, we, you know, that's just like ho- hobbyist or you know, non-professional content management work. And they're like, yes, thank you. You get it. It's like, it's hard. And even for our own policies, it's hard to come up with like clear policies and enforce them because there's just so much ambiguity. Yeah. And, and, you know, there, there are things, there are bits of content in there that sort of touch on political stuff, but not, not naming any particular party and everything. And, and there is this sort of general feeling out there. I think that like most content moderation is really about like politics and, and political viewpoints. Whereas like that is, there's not true at all. You know, the vast majority of content moderation tends to be about spam and, and some on copyright and, and, uh, child sexual abuse material and, and things like that. And, and the idea that like, you know, I mean, there was this, the, there was a great, um, uh, Twitter thread way back when uh, I think this was after Elon announced he was going to buy Twitter, but before he had actually bought Twitter from the former CEO of Reddit, where he was just like, you know, he was practically yelling and basically saying like, Content moderators do not care about your politics. They do not care about ideology. They just want you to stop being assholes to each other. Like, that's it. Like, just stop being jerks, you know, like, that's the biggest thing. (laughs) And so, you know, to some extent, we're sort of, we're trying to get some of that across as well, that like, you know, a lot of these disputes are just like different people seeing things in different ways and, and arguing about it and having very strong opinions about it. And that was like, you know, one of the things that I did think was important that we got into the game, which we haven't really mentioned here was like the appeals process. The fact that like, you know, if you make a decision, a lot of times the people that you make the, you know, either the person who reported it, if you decide to keep something up or the person who created the content, if you decide to take it down, is going to get mad and they're going to disagree with you and they're going to say that you misunderstood stuff, uh, whether or not they're, you know, serious about it or whether or not they're just being a jerk, you know, that that depends. Um, and so we really wanted to kind of model that into the game as well and that, you know, you will get yelled at a lot. Uh, and that was, I mean, another decision that we made in terms of the design, which is that the appeals, whereas the, the, um, the, the content reviews that come up are always descriptive. It's just sort of a description of what 
what the content is that you're looking at. The appeals are done in the first person. So they are, they are quotes and they're often angry and they were really fun to write <laughs> because it was, it was, you know, if I were on the uh, receiving end of this, this decision, how would I feel? Uh, and it, it allowed, you know, some, some inner anger to come out in, in those appeals. But I, I think, again, that sort of models the, you know, the reality of this and, and especially gets across the idea that, you know, no matter what, you know, no matter what you do, somebody's going to be mad at you for it. Uh, and, and I mean, that's like you mentioned DSA, but there are proposals from U.S. lawmakers to mandate appeals processes and yeah. mandate paperwork and, you know, kind of uh, they would say accountability around appeals processes. And it's um, that it would quickly get impossible. And I, we've talked to companies who've said, like, there are certain kinds of appeals we don't even touch because we know they're all bad faith or we know they're all ridiculous. <laughs> um, why wouldn't you appeal if you're you want your hate speech on the platform and. Like right. you, you can appeal. Why wouldn't you? Um, so it's, uh, I, I'm really glad we worked in the appeals process and that it kind of, um, I like that it's a surprise. <laughs> like it uh, comes <laughs> up when it comes up. It isn't, it isn't immediate. Uh, Cause that's, that's how yeah. it works in the real world. Yeah. And, and that, that was important too. Yeah. It's not that when you make a decision, you immediately get the appeal. Um, you can make the decision. And if you're, if you're paying attention, which I think most people are just pay, looking at the next content, you might see the red card slip into the bottom of the pile, but uh, you know, it's, it, there is this sort of separation of time and, and some of the, you know, and, and some of the stuff you won't get appeals on and some of it, it depends, you know, you might get an appeal this time. If you get that content, if you play it again, you might not. Um, you know, we really, we, we definitely designed it. I, I don't even know if people recognize this so much, but like the game is pretty replayable and you're not going to see, you know, you might see a couple of the same pieces of content, but you're really not going to see the same stuff over and over again. Um, you're not going through the, the exact same content or content arcs or whatever. Um, and I think that that was good. I don't, I don't know if we even kept track of people who played it multiple times or not, but um we can figure that out from the numbers, but I don't know that we've uh, looked, looked yeah. closely at it. Yeah. I definitely saw some people say that, you know, like, because we also have the social sharing at the end. And so people were using that. And I saw, a, you know, most people who were posting it had, you know, again, got promoted. Uh, I don't want to say won or succeeded, but got promoted. Um, and in talking to a few of them, people admitted that, yeah, it was on their second or third try that they did that. Um, though there were a few that like, I mean, I wrote a lot of the content, uh, and I'm amazed at how well some people were actually able to do. Cause like, even though I know some of the secrets, like I would not have been able to do as well as some people did. So there were a few that surprised me, but I think most people definitely, definitely struggled with it. Cool. Um, so is there is there anything else anything else that we want to cover in terms of uh, the game and everything about it? I would maybe just add. I think that um, both it being mobile first and the swiping and the fact that it's replayable all to me really drove towards this idea that like everyone has opinions on content moderation. Um, like I, you know, we obviously our primary audience at Engine is is policymakers and their staff. Um, like you guys have a different primary audience of folks who are kind of like a little more thoughtful about this stuff, or at least like aware of it and, and, and thinking about it. Um, but in a lot of the work we've done, especially in the lead up to the Gonzalez briefs that we were involved in, um, which were like, we talked to real human beings who don't think about things like content moderation. It became really evident that just like everybody, like my, my dad, who is not a tech <laughs> policy person at all, 
has an opinion on content moderation because everyone's had a negative interaction with content online, either right seeing something that isn't violating policy be taken down or the inverse, seeing something that should be taken down and is continually left up. Um, and because of that, I really wanted to design and really to ask you guys to design a game <laughs> that like felt very approachable and isn't right, like Startup Trail, which I love and, and we will continue to, to uh, promote until Engine no longer exists. Um, <laughs> Startup Trail is a very involved game. You like sit at a computer, you're, you're in there for like 30 minutes at least if you want to reach the end. And, and there's so many kind of metrics that you're keeping track of and goals that you're working towards. Um, and for this, I think I said at the outset, like I want this to be the kind of thing that you like swipe up when you're scrolling through Instagram and like play on your phone for 10 minutes and then like move on to something else. And then the next time you're waiting for the subway, you play it again. Um, Cause I think this should be, I think if everyone has an opinion on content moderation, everybody should have to give it a go um, and see how they, <laughs> how well they can handle content moderation decisions. And, and hopefully that makes them a little more sympathetic to the process and the outcomes. Um, but so I think that's, in my mind, like when I first approached you guys, that was the philosophy dictating a lot of the choices that I asked you to make. Because um, I think it's, if every, yeah, if everybody cares about content moderation, even if they don't know that that's what they're doing, then they should, they should have to grapple with the trade-offs themselves. Um, among the people who had, you know, good feedback for the game was uh, Corey Doctorow. And he said in his Twitter thread about it, he said, I think you could arguably refuse to discuss content moderation with anyone who hasn't played this game, which was a very nice piece of feedback <laughs> and is certainly the kind of thing we were going for. I don't know if I go quite that far, but yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, hey, we'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know. I think I think it's it it opens up a lot of discussions and you know some of the other feedback that we've gotten from from some some of the people who have played it especially among those who who don't have as much experience in thinking about it or dealing with content moderation was like this recognition of just how how impossible it is to to you know figure this stuff out and and the recognition that like creating policy around it in particular like this idea that like oh you know why can't regulators come in and snap their fingers and say like hey stop the bad stuff keep the good stuff and and you know is not a viable uh you know kind kind of policy position so it's it's been it's been you know pretty gratifying to see that that sort of response from from people and that was you know exactly the kind of thing that we were trying to get across and hopefully we'll continue to get across because the game will still be there uh again if you haven't played it yet if you listen to this whole thing and you haven't played it and you still don't want to play it i, I don't know what what's going on but you should check it out uh moderator mayhem.engine.is uh, and uh, again, it's designed for mobile. So go in your mobile browser. Uh, it does also work on your desktop browser if you're an old person <laughs> who just uses a laptop and doesn't use a smartphone or something. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, with that, I think we'll close it out. Uh, Kate, thank you again for uh, you know, everything that engine does, but also certainly for, for asking us if we wanted to work with you again on this particular game, it was a lot of fun. It was definitely a challenge. Um, and one that has like kept us awake at night <laughs> trying to figure all this out. Uh, but we were, we were pretty happy with the result and, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that, that you're happy with the result as well. And, uh, Randy and Lee, thanks for joining the podcast as well and all the work that you guys put into this game as well. And 
thanks to everyone for listening as well. And again, I apologize. It's been a, a little while since we've had a podcast, but uh, I think we're getting back uh, up to speed and we should be having a bunch of podcasts coming up soon. So thanks to everyone. And we'll be back next week. Bye.